Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, 2016. Today we're, we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 30, the second paragraph, which starts with, uh, we learned that we had to fully concede. Let me tell you who, who uh, the readers are today. Today's readers, we have uh, Christine M. on the 12 steps, and we have Anita L. on the 12 traditions. And then our readers this morning are Renata G., Penny C., and Hoodie from Israel. Hoodie, I don't know your last initial, but there's only one famous Hoodie. Um, okay, the reference number for Tuesday, February 9th, is 8448. That's 8448. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to, compulsive over, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Christine M. if you would uh, read the 12 steps. Christine? Yes, hi, my name is Christine. Good morning, everyone. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine. And let me now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Let me tell you how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we're gonna to resume our study uh, in the big book and we are on page 30, the second paragraph starting with, we learned that we had to fully concede and Renata is gonna get us started, Renata. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Aid in New York. Um, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we're like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. And, you know, when I came to a vision for you, I, I learned that, you know, I, I've learned about my disease, about my problem, right, that I have an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind, 
that when I, I eat certain ingredients, they trigger me and I can't stop. But, you know, I learned that intellectually. I didn't really take it to heart. You know, the only way I, I could really take it to heart was by having experience with my disease. This disease had to take me to a level of humiliation and powerlessness that, you know, just reading about it, just talking about it could never do it for me. And so, you know, on my last binge, um, which was over two years ago, I think, you know, that's when I finally got convinced that I'm a real compulsive reader, 100% powerless over the allergy of the body and the mental obsession. And so the idea that I could behave like a normal eater at certain times, that was completely smashed. You know, I, I finally understood that once I ingest even a little bit of my triggering ingredients in any form at all, something happens in my body and I cannot control, I can't predict what, you know, how long it's going to last. Like, you know, a binge could last a day, it could last a few hours, it could last 10 years. I have no control. My, my last binge started because, you know, I was in so much self-pity that day, so uncomfortable with my feelings. And I had this brilliant idea that a little tiny piece of stale bread would make me feel better. And so that's what I did. I had a very tiny piece of stale bread, and it was like a bomb exploded. I could not stop. I started eating everything I could find inside. And, uh, you know, my, my reasoning before picking up the first bite for not, you know, picking up the phone was that my boss was home that day. But guess what? Once I started binging, I couldn't care. I could care less that she was home. My boyfriend came over that evening. I could not stop binging. I binged in front of him. He was, like, terrified. He didn't know what was going on. You know, I binged to the point of feeling super sick that I had to purge because physically I could not contain the amount of food that I was ingesting. And, you know, five minutes later when I felt better, I started all over again. I could not stop. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I honestly thought I was going to die. And even that could not stop me. And the thing is, you know, finally, like at 2 a.m., I passed out. But the crazy thing is, after all of that, all that torture, torture, the next day, my mind was telling me again to go eat the same things that were killing me. And so, you know, I finally saw that without the steps, without this program, I had no chance. That once and for all, I had to become really, really honest about my triggers, put it down 100% and work the steps as if my life depended on it, because it did. I thought that this disease would take me down, merciless, you know, and so by doing this, by working all 12 steps and continue to work the steps, today I remain free from the mental obsessions and the allergy of the body. With that, I pass, thanks. Renata, thanks so much. Um, before we, I take some names here, just a couple of, couple of reminders. First, you know, there's no abstinence requirement to uh, share. And I just want to say, because it's never said, you know, 
giving voice to my understanding of what I was studying, that changed my program dramatically. So I, I, I want to just encourage anyone at all to share because um, it's not just, this isn't just a teaching thing. We learn together. So with that, let me open it up to three-minute shares. Who would like to share? Katie G. from Boston. From Maryland. Carol G. Katie G. Vasa O. Chaya. Reva P. Okay, let me tell you who I got, and I, I can guarantee you one thing. I didn't get everybody there. So if you could, if you could mute out for a moment, and I'll read the, the roster who I have, and then if you don't hear your name, you know, just give it to me. So I, in no particular order, but I have, uh, I heard Kathy K, I heard Katie G, I heard Melissa, I heard Du L, I heard Carol, Carol, I heard Vasa O, I heard Haya. I heard Reva P, and I, who did I miss? Rakesset Z, Tina Rakesset. S, and Judy K. Valerie B. Valerie B. Okay, let me say who I added there. Um, and please stay muted until we start the sharing, okay? I heard um, Reva P. I got Rakesset Z. I heard Tina S. I heard Judy Valerie B, I believe, and was there someone else? We got a we got a huge, magnificent roster here. So, just a quick reminder, and then we'll get right to it. Is just keep yourself muted until um, it's your turn, and then I'll I'll give you a heads up if you're on deck, and then um, mute out when you're done. So let's start with Kathy K, and then we're going to go to KDG. Kathy, you're up. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, fellow travelers. Uh, thank you for your service, Larry. It's Kathy Kay from Boston, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, the delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. And that word smashed is uh, very descriptive to me because um, I came to the rooms for many years uh, in OA uh, before really getting it in my heart um, that I was a true compulsive overeater, and uh, I had two choices. Uh, one was to find a spiritual uh, relationship, and the other was to continue to go toward death. Um, the spiritual principle underlying step one is honesty, Um and that's what took me a long time to uh, really get to. I had so much denial uh, and so many rationalizations and so many false hopes and false starts. And it truly was a matter of becoming willing to become honest that enabled me to finally accept, not just in my mind but in my heart, um, that I was a compulsive overeater and that that was a problem I could not solve by myself. And it is true that it was listening to fellow travelers that helped me to identify in, um, regardless of the amount of weight to lose um, or any other physical manifestation, I, I came to understand that I had a spiritual and mental disease 
um, as well as a physical allergy. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Kathy. Appreciate that. And we have Katie G. And then followed by Melissa C. Katie, you're up. Hey, Larry. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, guys. Katie G. No longer in Cancun, Mexico. I've uh, recovered compulsive overeater anorexic and bulimic. Starting my timer. So, um, what is a delusion? Whoa, I just got really scared. Sorry. A delusion is a false psychotic belief. The delusion, the false psychotic belief that I'm like other people. And guys, I, you know, somebody else has said this. Who cares to co- admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Like I spent my life basing my life on false psychotic beliefs. I remember being a little girl and looking at my neighbor, staring at her. She was chewing a certain item. And I thought, if I could just chew like her, then maybe, maybe somehow I'll stop binging my brains out. If I could just do that, like, and I would um, continue time after time after time to try and prove that I was normal because I wanted nothing more than to fit in, to belong. I wanted you to love me. I wanted to be okay. And, you know, my false psych- other false psychotic beliefs, if I'm thin, I'll just be okay. And I, you know, operate today, praise God, because of the blessings of my recovered fellowship. I operate as a recovered woman today. And all that means is when I have these false psychotic beliefs, I have a second thought. So last night I'm sitting at dinner and I'm, I talked about my false psychotic beliefs. So what is my last night? I said to my boyfriend, I said, you know, my boss, she's so thin, she's running, you know, she looks great and I'm jealous. And him, a normal person is like, what's the difference between you and her? Right. But like, of course I'm in my, I wasn't spiritually connected at the time and I'm in my comparison mode and I'm not feeling good enough. And so I have this false psychotic belief. I vocalized it and I got back into the present moment, right? Cause that's the difference for me today is I have false psychotic beliefs sometimes, you know, even now, but I'm not basing my decisions on them. I, I surround myself by women who hold me accountable to an abstinent meal plan, entire abstinence, to staying connected, rigorously honest every single day so that I don't get back into my crazy, psychotic, false beliefs again, right? And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful that I don't have to be normal because you know what, guys? My best thought used to be, like, if I can just be thin, I'll be okay. That was my safe thought, right? You know what my safe thought today is? No matter what happens, guess what? I have a place to go. I'm completely abnormal, and I have a place to go. I get to show up. It is a privilege. I get to show up and say I'm KDG recovered, compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic, and I am here because I am not all there, and there is a solution. Praise God. So um, I hope you all have a blessed day, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie. So next we have – thanks for everyone staying muted until it's their turn. This is great. We have uh, – Melissa's up and then followed by Do. So, Melissa? Hi. Good morning, Larry. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive over here in New York. Are you able to hear me okay? We are. Okay. Oh, good. My, my husband put a new Bluetooth in my car because he was worried I've been commuting and he knows I listen to this meeting um, and I'm like, you know, 
now I'm hands-free. So I'm just really, I'm thrilled this morning. And, um, you know, I am not like other people. And it's it's taken me this long to um, not only have that delusion smashed, but to embrace it today. That's just such a gift because um, I always wanted to be just like other people. And, um, and every diet I went on, every time I reached a weight where I outwardly looked normal, I inwardly believed it. And, and that never, um, it never gave me peace for long. And, you know, one of the best things that truly happened to me was um, that the symptoms of this disease became so visible that I couldn't pretend that I was normal anymore. And I had had some bouts of abstinence, and I wasn't even at my highest weight, but my hair was crippling me. And I knew that that wasn't normal, and I knew that a diet wasn't fixing it. And um, and I felt completely desperate. I felt truly screwed, you know, and yet that was exactly what I needed. You know, it was precisely what I needed for me. It was when it got smashed. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful, too, that this morning, um, you know, you talked about um, people giving, you know, a voice to their disease and and sharing. And truly, my recovery um, just rocketed when I started opening my mouth and, um, and saying, yeah, I am not normal. Here's what I have. This is how it's manifested in my life, and this is what I'm learning. And, uh, you know, and so today it's really a gift to be um, among all of you, you know, together, not normal. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. So we have uh, Du L and then followed by Carol. Du, you're up. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for so much for your service. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Just gonna put my timer here for a minute. Okay. All right. Great. Um, it says here, uh, you know, the delusion that we're like other people presently has to be smashed. And we learned yesterday that illusion is, you know, the um, the incorrect or untrue belief or view of reality. And now we have another word that says delusion. It's a false psychotic belief or unsound and misleading reasoning. So already um, I'm looking at this paragraph and I'm looking at and seeing that, you know, the problem is centered around my mind. I have a problem with my thinking. And it says, you know, the first step in recovery is that I need to fully concede to my innermost self that I'm an alcoholic, that I'm an, a compulsive old reader. Well, what does that mean? You know, um, it means that my thinking leads me to think that I am like other people. And that's the delusion. I'm not like other people. I will never, ever, ever eat like a normal person. I will never, ever, ever think like a normal person. Um, there is something wrong with me when it comes to my food and my thinking. And, you know, and that has to be smashed. So how do I smash this? Um, well, I go through the steps, and I go through the steps in sequence order. Um, 
Why do I go through the steps to smash this delusion? Because the steps reduce my ego. The steps reduce myself. The steps reduce my faulty thinking. You know, and, and as I go through the steps, I in tune with this higher power that gives me the strength to think differently. Um, but in the meantime, we're, we're, we're in this step, right, in this part of step two. And, you know, how do I start changing my thinking as of now? You know, what do I do? Well, you know, some of the ways that um, I've learned is that God does not save you from your friends. He saves you from your enemies. So what does that mean, that he saves you from, from your enemies? Well, if I think that the food is my friend and that it's going to continue to give me comfort and it's going to give me ease and it's going to be the love of my life, then, you know, I, I'm not going to be rescued from that because God is, God is a gentleman. He's not going to intrude on my free will. I have to change my thinking about my foods and start thinking what they really are. They're destroying me. They're killing me. They're giving me diabetes. They're giving me, um, you know, <laughs> high blood pressure. They're giving me, you know, um, I, they're keeping me stuck in oblivion. And, you know, and that's what needs to change. The, the change can't go into my head. I cannot change my thinking, right? I have to change it in my heart. And the heart is the seat of motivation, and that's what drives me with the desire. If I have a desire for recovery, I go towards that. If I have a desire to binge, I go towards that. So what needs to change is not in my mind, but in my heart. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Dual. Okay, so we're going to have Carol next, followed by Vasa. Carol, good morning. Carol, press star one. We can't hear you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, Vision for You. Uh, it's Carol G. Compulsive Read to Recover just for today. Um, wow. Um, just before um, it was my turn to come in, I thought, my goodness, I've got stage fright. What's that all about? So um, I'm just asking my higher power to remind me what it was I was supposed to do, and that's to carry the message. Um, and do just beautifully said what we need to concede to. I'm a compulsive overeater. And so I think what I'll share with you now is that I ha the last thing that I had to concede to into my innermost self before I got recovered was that I truly am an outright mental defective. Um, that delusion had to be smashed and it's been smashed in my mind. And because the reason I think it happened like that way with me was it was in the way of the solution. My mind was in the way of the solution. If you put your hand up to your face, right up to your nose, that's where the problem was, right at the tip of my nose. And I couldn't see anything for my own mind and my own thinking. And I was talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. So I was still showing symptoms of insanity. And this higher power just seems to have moved it to one side and I can see a, a whole new world opening up in front of me. And the delusion for me was that I could study this, that I could study this. I've been studying it for 13 years, I can tell you. Anybody who's studying it, I had to put my pen down. I was journaling, I was writing, I, it was hard slog and still I wasn't getting recovered. And I collected every cool thing that I ever heard anybody say. And then one day I said to myself, you know what, God, 
I'm just going to have to experience this for myself and I'm frightened. I don't know what that means because I'm actually trying to control and enjoy my own recovery. And I think today why I'm so grateful is because I've been praying to set aside all I think I know and my mind is completely empty. <laughs> it's silent. Um, but I think the higher power likes it like that. Um, you know, I like that. I like to experience this miracle and this program. And I've experienced what's been described in this book up to now and up to where we are today. But I had to put down my pen, except for step four. I had to experience this in my body, how real this really is. I had to experience it in myself because I could see that I was making a complete mess trying to live on my own self-reliance and illusion and fantasy. And it was because... The disease was so closely in my face and my mind was trying to basically help me surrender and it wasn't working. I just laid down on the ground and said, I'm done. Thank you, everybody, for the meeting. Love you all. Pass. Thank you, Carol. Boy, what beautiful voices of recovery. So we let's hear some more. We have Vasa followed by Haya. Vasa, you're up. Yes. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry for your service, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from uh, Florida. Yeah, this is a beautiful paragraph. Uh, uh, this is the first step in recovery, the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed, and that has been my experience. I try to be like everybody else, to be thin and to stop eating and and you know, envy and be jealous of my uh, thin um, girlfriends or friends in those years. But I, I wasn't like them. I, you know, I, you know, I didn't know about the disease, and I'm so grateful that God led me into Overeaters Anonymous. I did not, I didn't know, I had no clue anything about the disease. I didn't, I had no clue about the allergy. I didn't know anything about the mental obsession. Well, I knew about mental obsession because it always kept me coming back to the food. And I, you know, I was ready to admit the first step. Yes, I was uh, ready to admit that I was powerless over the food, you know, 100%, you know. But I really had a difficult time accepting that. I was, it was hard for me to admit I, I was a mental defect. That meant maybe I need to be put in a mental hospital, you know, because... I was so functional in so many other ways, but when it came to the food addiction, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't manage it. I couldn't control it anymore. But again, uh, you know, I like reading the, more about alcoholism. It just shows me, you know, where I was and where I am in my recovery now, you know, and, and to go through the 12 steps. Yes, and I needed to find a power greater than myself. I, I, I remember saying, I, whatever, I, I, I will surrender to anything, the OA program, I'll surrender to, you know, my higher power, because I needed so much help. I didn't want to die. Thank you for letting me share that path. Thank you, Vasa. So we have Haya next, and then followed by Reva P. Haya, Haya? Yeah, hi, I'm here. Could you hear I can. Okay, excellent. Um, my name is Haya. I live in New Jersey. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to share on this paragraph, and it talks about the, the first step in um, recovery is conceding that we have a problem. 
And it's amazing because I lived for 20 years with a terrible, terrible secret. And the secret was is that I was a compulsible reader. And in my own crazy, twisted mind, because I was a bulimic, so I was thin, um, I was fine. This was my way of dealing with stress. And I remember I was able to justify it, like, hey, you know, the guys could sit around and they can drink when, you know, when, when they go out with their friends and that's how they detox. And there are people who do all sorts of things. People smoke, I didn't smoke. So this was my thing and this is how I handled stress. And, um, you know, they say over here is that we need to concede that we are not like other people. And I'll tell you something crazy. I think most people wanted to be me because if you look at me, I had the perfectly fit body sitting in the gym, had a great life, was doing um, great marriage, five children. Um, thank God, living, living what most people would think was a dream. And on the outside, it looked so perfect. And my disease came from that place of working so hard to be perfect and carrying that burden on my shoulders for so many years. And um, I came across in September, I came across a book. It was actually in my basement, and I still can't figure out why because I have a lot of people stay at my house, so I must have left it there. And when I was reading, um, it said, you need to concede to your innermost self that you are a compulsive overeater and an alcoholic. You are an addict. And I remember I found this and I was in my room and I was healed over. And with it was such a realization. It was so, I said, you are a compulsive. You're not like other people. You have got a serious disease. And for me, this first step in just admitting that I had an issue and I had a deep issue was the scariest thing in my life. Um, and just admitting that I wasn't perfect. And this program has saved my life because I get on the phone here with all of us and we're all, it's okay to be not perfect. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to share it with each other. It's okay. We, it's just so beautiful the way we all hold hands with each other and we lift each other up. And this program has saved my life because I knew that without this program, I would die. And I know it. And my recovery has, thank God, been really quick. For when I was introduced and I got a sponsor, um, it has been an incredibly quick recovery for me. Thank God, just for the day, every single day, it's a new gift. And I, I don't take it for granted, not for one minute. But we're so lucky that we have found that I know for myself, I'm so lucky that I have found this program because I knew that it was either this or one day they would find me dead on my bathroom floor. Because for me, this is the gift of life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Haya. More voices, more voices. We've got two powerful R's. We've got Reva P followed by Rakesset Z. Reva, you're up. Good morning, Larry. This is Reva P, Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, there's so many things I'm thinking of right now, so I'll try to focus my sharing. Um, for me to fully, not to just concede, but to fully concede, um, I had to have the experience of trying harder when I realized I couldn't control the food and things were getting out of hand. I tried harder. 
I put in more effort and things got more out of control. Um, and I guess this chapter is telling me more truth about my disease, my dis-ease with myself and with other people and with life. I'm just not comfortable in my skin, not comfortable with um, living life on God's terms. So um, the first thing I had to admit was that I had a certain reaction to certain foods, and when I ingested them, I could not stop eating them in huge, huge quantities. It's sort of like a cucumber that becomes a pickle. You can never make the pickle back to a cucumber. That's what I've heard from other speakers. And that's me. It's broken. I can never go back. So this is who I am with food. And when I try to control the food, it ends up controlling me. And the other thing I have learned is I can't control my thinking. You know, my first um, alcoholic thought can often be something about resentment or fear-based. And the only way I cannot be restless, irritable, and discontent and a walking lunatic, dry drunk, is to work the steps. And then once I'm doing the steps, I still don't have control. I just do the work. And I notice I have this uh, mindset that if I do this step and if I do this writing, I'm going to be instantly at peace with God's magic wand. And it doesn't happen that way. I just do the work. And God removes the defects and gives me um, clarity and peace in his or her time, in his or her way. So I don't have to worry about that stuff. I just do the simple steps, and God takes care of the big stuff. Um, So... um, all that old stuff definitely is smashed because when something has is smashed, I can't even put it back together. It's in so many pieces. Um, and it's amazing how my thinking does change over time because it's the thinking that when it changes, I'm more at ease with myself and then I don't even need or want the food. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. So now we're going to have Rakesit Z followed by Tina S. Rakesit, you're up. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for your service. My name is Rakefa Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from California. And I, I felt my whole life that I was different from everyone else. Started when I was a little kid. I was a fat little kid, the fattest kid in my school, and I constantly got teased for being fat, and it just made me feel so bad. I, I knew I had to be different. Why aren't other kids being teased? I had to be different, and I was different because I was a bad person. That, that I was being punished. That was my thinking as it from from the time I was a small child. I was so relieved when I came to this program, and I was I was told that I have a disease. I have a disease, and, and it's not my fault. I am truly a compulsive overeater. I am truly a compulsive overeater. I truly am different from everyone else, and I have been untreated my whole life. My disease has been untreated because I have a physical allergy and a mental obsession. I never knew how to treat it. I never knew that it was a disease. It was just a relief to come to come to here and, and accept that and believe that and just know it. And I do know it with all my heart. And that's why, because I am different than other people, that's why I can't, conventional conventional diets won't work for me. How many conventional 
conventional diets have I tried? Those will not work for somebody that has a disease like mine. That works for normal people. And I know that I'm not one of them. So I, um, you know, I went to Weight Watchers I don't know how many times, and I don't know how many times I failed. Every time I failed, I didn't understand why I couldn't do the diet like everyone else. I didn't understand why any diet I went to I couldn't do because I was trying. I was trying really hard in my whole life. The only thing I wanted was to be thin. My whole entire life from the time I was a little kid, I wanted to be thin. And I was never thin until I got into the program. And that is because I am different. I am totally different. And nothing is going to change that. Nothing. I have to... I have to work at my own treatment. I have to cooperate. I have to show up. I have to do what the big book tells me to do, what the steps tell me to do, in order to be able to function in this world and seem like a normal person. So um, it's it, it's just so it feels so good that there's other people that are just like me. When I came to the program and I learned about other people admitting that they were just like me and did the same things with food and felt the same way about food. And it was just such a relief. It was such a relief to say, yes, I am one of you too. But thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, uh, Rakesh. So, boy, everyone's staying within three minutes and muting their phones. What's going on here? Um, okay, so we have Tina S. followed by Judy. Tina, it's your your turn. Thanks, Larry. Um, Tina S., compulsive eater anorexic from Florida. And, wow, heard some fabulous things this morning, as always. You know, it says we learned. You know, we, again, I'm not alone, and it's been shared by almost everybody. And learned is, you know, I'm I'm acquiring this knowledge by studying. And that's what I, I came in here, and, you know, I wasn't fully conceding to anything that I was, I was, I, on my own, knew that I was different than you. You know, this worked for you, but I had my own ideas. And and through my experience, like it's already been shared, I had to fully concede. You know, I had to admit the truth after I denied it for a long, long time because I was beaten, you know. And I love what it had already been shared. You know, I I was either going to accept spiritual help or I was going to go on to the bitter end. You know, that was the truth for me. And, and, you know, and through my disease and through the, the desperation, you know, I, I had to admit, and, you know, and it says that this is the first step in recovery, and they tell me that's the only one I got to do at 100%, but, you know, I also know that I could stay in step one and die, you know, so there's some work to be done, and, you know, and it, and the delusion, and it's been shared by everybody, you know, it's that false psychotic belief, the information that I had that was not true, and it was psychotic at best, you know, and it had to be smashed, and it had to be shattered, and all that kind of stuff, and and, you know, I'm so grateful today that I have a way out, that I don't have to react the same way that I did, yeah. that I can react differently today. And and by God's grace, one day at a time, I have the opportunity to be among people that live the same life that I do and to pass this on, you know, because, you know, if I don't give well, it away, I cannot keep it. And um, with that, I'll pass things. Thank you so much, Tina. Okay, so we have... Judy, and then we got Valerie B, and then Penny's going to read to us. So, Judy, 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 you're up. Thank you, Larry. I'm Judy, a compulsive overeater. Fully concede to our innermost selves. 
the first thing I have to do is to believe that I'm a compulsive overeater. I have to admit it and I have to accept it so that I can move on. Um, and the other se- sentence, the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. When I think of smashed, I think of a face being thrown on a cement floor and totally shattered into Hey, Judy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you for a second. So sorry to step on your toes there. Could everyone please mute their phone? I'm not sure if that's where that's coming from, but we hear some, some beautiful, lovely kitties in the background there. Um, thanks, Judy. You can chime right back in. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Larry. Oh, you bet. So it ha- well, I think when I think of a, of a, a vase and that's thrown on a cement floor and it's shattered into thousands of pieces, that vase will never be put back together. And that is the attitude that I must have for recovery, that I can never, I can never go back as a non-compulsive overeater. That's not me. It, I will never, ever be any different. It's permanent, and there's no turning around. And if it's smashed, then I can go forward with this program and live in recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy. Okay, so we got, um, last but not least, uh, Valerie B., and then Penny's going to read on from there. Uh, Valerie, you're up. Hello, um, this is Valerie B., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and I, you know, I was thinking about this verse and how it's the first step in our recovery because, but, you know, it feels awful. It feels awful to realize that, you know, for me that, that I, you know, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an addict of some sort and I, I can't do this by myself and I need to throw myself into this program because, like because it's going to save my life and um and you know i just remember that you know just feeling this you know for the first time and just you know feeling so miserable about it and now that i'm i'm and i i remember a friend of mine was saying to me you have the tools row to shore and um and you know and and uh, for so many years, you know, drowning in this disease, you know, I, I would just give up and sink to the bottom. But, um, but I don't have to do that today. I can use these tools. I can, I can fellowship with all you wonderful people out there. I have a higher power and have been thrust into uh, just such a wonderful place. But the first step is really awful. I mean, it, it doesn't feel good. And, and I can't, you know, I can't, you know, emphasize enough how miserable I was. And, however, that is the best place in the world to be because we're, for, you know, where we, we, you know, our delusions are smashed. We can't do it ourselves. And then, boom, you know, we fall, you know, uh, my, you know, the first step, my life's become unmanageable. And, which which ushers us to the glorious step of came to believe, you know, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, and it's it's um and and I don't know I I 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but if there's any, there are people out there that you are feeling miserable, you can't do it, congratulations, you just made the first step, and, you know, and, and I, and, 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 and I'm so grateful for that today, and I'm so grateful because it leads us to a, really, up to a better life, and there's hope, and we can row to shore today, and uh, once we get to shore, it is so glorious, and we never have to dive back into it again. And if we do, if we fall off, you know, if we if we dive back into it again for some, you know, whatever, there's always that step, and there's always the hand of our higher power to bring us back. And I'm so grateful for that today. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Valerie. So we're going to move on. And uh, the next thing we're going to read is paragraph 30, the third paragraph. So um, a penny for your thoughts, uh, Penny. Penny C. Good morning. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, everybody who's joined us today on this wonderful, wonderful study. Um, I'm Yeah. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from the Boston area. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. Wow. Um, Bill W. was was an incredible writer. He, he really chose his words so carefully and and you know got got his message across so so beautifully um i don't know which which sentence in this paragraph stood out most to me because every one of them is is so so um important and so powerful for me and so that's the definition i see the first uh sentence there's the definition of what a compulsive eater is to me. A compulsive overeater is someone who has lost the ability to control my eat, our eating. That's exactly when people say, "Well, what's a real compulsive overeater?" That's exactly what what I respond. And knowing that I can never, on my own, I can never re- regain that control. And what this paragraph doesn't get into yet is that. There is a step two we're going to get to, and and we will find out by studying and practicing what this book tells us to do that we will find power. We will find a power greater than ourselves who, who with, to whom we can ask and we can tap into his power. But this is this this paragraph leaves us almost hopeless. So, um, and it's a place where, like people have said, it's a place where many of us had to go in order to realize that we were beyond human help and that we need a higher power. So with that, I'll pass and thanks again.
Thank you, Penny. We got time for one share, maybe two. Who wants it? Uh, Rachel Sanders, compulsive eater. Austin I got. I'll tell you, who I got. I got a Rachel and perhaps Sally. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead and we'll see where we get from there. Excellent. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is. Uh, thank you, Leah. This is Rachel W. Recover Compulsive. If you're calling from New York, um, you know, there's a clue in the first paragraph which says we learned, and um, that means that you know we're here to learn. And um, when we talk about the progressive nature of this illness, you know, the one given thing is that this illness does progress. And I know what that's like. You know, I was in the rooms um, abstinent for a really long length of time, and um, you know, doing what I needed to do. But um, my spiritual base was not was not quite as large as my life. In fact, it was quite a lot smaller. Was not growing, and um, and I ended up in relapse. And to me, it's it's because I wasn't I didn't want to learn, you know, and um, I wasn't open to learning. And um, so what I, I what the guarantee that I have is that this disease does progress. And even as I'm talking on the line right now, it's progressing. But what does not progress on its own is is the way that I learned. You know, I have to take these actions. I have to actually, you know, lean into this process. You know, it takes action to do this. And, you know, I'm convinced that, you know, my learning, my, my purpose in this world here, you know, I've seen enough of what happens when I allow, you know, self-will to run riot. Um, I allow myself, my own decisions, you know, my, my own thoughts get, get in there. And that's the disease part that, that I know um, makes really poor choices, you know, that will think a two-pound Reese's bar is a solution to my, my issues, you know. Um, but but here, you know, coming into this process, for me, it's been about, um, and I don't negate any part of it, you know, I, I think that all of it comes to the, the idea that um, while the disease is progressing, I have to be progressing as well. I have to take these actions to make my spiritual life larger than anything happening in my life. And but when I when I when I first relapsed, um, I remember thinking of myself as sort of like a general at war, and I had been fighting this battle with conventional weaponry like tanks, and I kind of knew the I knew the area, and I had my disease in the cage, and it wasn't a big deal, and I was doing all these. Each bar of the cage was tool of pro, of the program, and I was doing really well. And um and once I relapsed, I felt like I had to call in my troops and say, "What happened?" You know, and then the battle had to go nuclear. I was fighting a, a huge enemy with, with old weapons from World War One, you know, and um so now I, I, I had to take my program to a nuclear level and um and it's all about moving forward and onward and part of that part of my weaponry is this meeting and um it's it's something that I, I know that I have to uh to to nurture and to to you know lean into this process and I'm really so grateful for every single one of you on the line the newcomer and everyone else who, who really um, helped me and, and that I can lean into to uh, discover more of myself in this process and, and, and remain open to learning. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Hey, yo, Sally, can you do a one-minute share? <laughs> I sure can, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Good morning, a vision for you, Larry. I don't know how you heard anybody's name. Um, congratulations. And let me just say this in closing. We see here in this paragraph the word control, 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 over and over, tried to control our drinking, ever recovers control, regaining control, still less control. And let me say that what my disease um, was a progressive realization that the food was ever controlling me. Um, at the very tail end of me in the food was me trying to buy uh, these 
pre-served Klondike bars and these 100-calorie bags of cookies. And this was my effort to somehow control this sugar that I desperately wanted to keep in my life, but the sugar was controlling me. And if that's who you are, and that's where your brain is at all day, trying to control this ever-pervasive mental disorder that you're dealing with, let me be the first and one of the many people on this line to say to you, we cannot control the food. The food inevitably controls us. And what we have to do is put up a flag, put up a stick with a white with a white piece of cloth and say, Uncle, I surrender. And finally, get to your knees or get whatever position is comfortable for you and simply say, help me, God, I need you. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Sally. Okay, we're going to close up here. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Hey, Bob, stick on for the next hour here. You'd be up first if you can stay on. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hoodie, can you read 164 for us? Hoodie, press star one if you can do that. How about uh, Penny? Are you I still on the that. line? Okay, that'd be great. Hi, this is Hoodie. Hi, Hoodie. Hi, this is Hoodie. I don't know what happened there. Okay. My name is Hoodie, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Israel. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.